0: What's going on, boys and girls? We got a terrific episode of Two White Lights for you today. We had South Carolina's own Dawson Winham on the show. Terrific interview with him. He was a fan-requested interview. We're giving the people what they want. Awesome lifter, young lifter, USAPL lifter. Talked about his origin story. Talked about his past meet performances. Talked about his plans coming up in an NAPF meet. In Costa Rica, hoping to break break the all-time world record bench, beast bench, beast lifter. Also get into his programming using nutrition. The dude's aesthetic as fuck. We gotta hear about his nutrition as well. We get into most annoying things powerlifters say. We get into a little bit of a discussion on an RPE first percentage based training. Great interview with Dawson. We also talk a little bit about Ashton Rosca's terrific all-time performance the dude's a beast and we have our other topics as well. But before we get into the show, I want to talk to you guys about Rivalus. Visit rivalus.net to satisfy all your nutrition supplement needs whether it be protein, branched amino acids, creatine, pre-workout, whatever you want, Rivalus has it. Just use promo code ANGELO15 you get 15% off. We just had a giveaway with protein powders. The people love the protein powders, especially the cereal flavor. If you guys want to spice up, enhance the flavor of your protein powder, Rival Us is the way to go. And now, here is Two White Lights. is monday july 8th hope everyone had a good freedom weekend it's probably my favorite one of my favorite times of the year is fourth of july weekend and and and, you know i had a good one i did the whole barbecue thing drank to excess ate to excess maxed out i'll probably talk a little bit more about that next week because unfortunately i am riding solo the two white lights listeners know i know bane knows everyone else knows I'm not good solo. I kind of need a co-host with me to kind of get through some topics. I just sound mean and like deranged when I'm alone and when I rant. So Bane, unfortunately, is not here this week. Uh, I know he wasn't here the previous week. He will be in hopefully next week, but we have a terrific show with you. We interviewed Dawson Winham. Terrific interview with him. That's going to take up a bulk of the show. Great interview with him. We also are going to cover some events that happened within this past week. We're going to get into our segments as well, but you know, I I, I got to start the show by talking about one of uh, the person who's becoming actually one of my favorite powerlifters to watch right now, and we brought him up the, up on the show before. The dude's a phenom. His nickname's The Prophecy. I love the nickname, but Ashton the Prophecy Roska. Had himself an all-time meet at USAPL's PowerFest in the 231-pound weight class. And the dude competed at 231 and he weighs in at 208. The prophecy is possibly, currently what I'm looking at, one of the most well-put-together, well-rounded powerlifters in currently in the sport. The dude's an absolute stud. Young, young lifter as well, competes at Collegiate Nationals, kills it there, goes to PowerFest, absolutely destroys it with a near two K total. He's got uh nineteen eighty-four, broke Bryce Lewis's total record. That was previously in nineteen sixty-seven, so he actually beat it with a little bit of change in there too. Pulled 821, is 705, bench 457, just a brilliant, beautiful display of lifting, and this guy is just, he's ridiculous, like, he reminds me a lot of how, just how Ed Cohen, um, Yuri Belkin, the Little Bridges, Hack, how they're all so well put together to be successful in the sport, and this guy right now is just killing it on so many different levels, young lifter too so the future is so bright for this guy and I kind of had to be bought this guy had to be kind of showed to me because I didn't really he didn't really stick out to me initially when I started powerlifting but right now he's becoming a favorite of mine because the numbers he's putting up is is insane and I think he's just going to progress in the sport because from what I'm seeing his technique is perfect it's flawless He's got a good physique. He's in actually just great shape as far as just conditioning goes. And, again, I just marveled at the meats. You guys got to check it out for yourselves. If you guys don't follow Ash117, A-S-H-H-117, pardon the speech impediment. Check him out now because he's, yeah, again, he's got the two white lights, not of approval. I might even DM him, ask him for an interview. The guy's a beast. So once again, congrats, Ashen, for a terrific meet. Also, what happened in the past week is one of these things that I love seeing in powerlifting and like kind of in the fitness community community in general is whenever, say, a famous athlete or a famous person even is like seen working out and doing the same thing that we're doing the reactions of it if it's good and if it's bad. And this week we got an example of like like in a bad example of how a particular athlete was utilizing powerlifting and like strength training and like the backlash that happened. So bleaker report with Bleacher Report occasionally can just, like, send out some real shit content and kind of have a firestorm of people criticizing them, and they face a lot of criticism from, like, the powerlifting community this week because they showed a video of defensive end on the Cleveland Browns, Browns, my mistake, Miles Garrett, Flash Garrett is his handle, I'm going to be totally honest, I don't know if this guy is a good player or not. I don't know if he starts. I don't watch a lot of Cleveland Browns games because until like last year the Cleveland Browns were worth watching, but only worth watching to see them lose at a historic rate. So, I don't know much about uh Miles Garrett. Just know that he is indeed a freak athlete. The dude's a fucking beast. What happens and, and let me just get to the video so you get some context. If you go on uh, Bleacher Report, he posted a video of him squatting 675 for, like, I don't know. I'm actually watching the video right now for, well, definitely not a rep. He didn't rep anything. Um, I wouldn't even call that a that's, a, that's probably a quarter squat, probably not a half squat, not a box squat even. Um, 675 for zero. I mean, he did not squat it. Um, there were quarter reps, but he was also box jumping with 50s, so he's got that. And he's like 6'4", 250 pounds or so, give or take. But, yeah, he's quarter-squatted the shit out of it. Bleacher Report didn't do him any favors by posting this because you're going to get the fitness community calling him out saying that he's half-squatting or quarter-squatting. But I always find it entertaining when this happens because I think powerlifters... I want to say enjoy seeing this because, let's face it, powerlifters had probably an aspiration to be a professional athlete at a point. I could be wrong about that, but I mean, we had Sean on last week, myself, we all kind of wanted, we we all got into powerlifting or fitness because of a sport, and whenever they see a high profile athlete or a really good athlete not be able to do the same thing that they're doing. I think they get a little bit of a sense of accomplishment. Because it's, it's, it could be refreshing to some to know that they can indeed squat, say, 650 pounds full depth that would get a white light in a powerlifting competition. Now, Miles could get a white light in SPF, I don't know exactly, he, I mean, if he, if he finds the right federation, he could get a white light for his squat, but, I like, I still, and we talked about this in a previous episode, that there is kind of a disconnect between regular society and, like, and strength society, because they think this is a B squat, and in reality, if you talk to powerlifters, bodybuilders, crossfitters even, because they get full death, Olympic lifters, they're looking at the squat and laughing. So, the disconnect is still there, and it's still pretty strong, but I love the captain too. Like, Bleacher Report... Did this guy no favors? They got a million views. They got a lot of content. And actually, almost 2 million views with nearly 10,000 comments. Uh, they said It's at Flash Garrett is built different. The smoke emoji or the face blowing smoke emoji. I don't know how to describe that one. They didn't do him any favors by putting that on there. He is built different for sure. He's like the top 1% of athletes in the world, but again, Really funny thing I kind of enjoy seeing whenever it happens in the sports world and in the powerlifting world. But also, here's what happens when they, like the regular society sees this and then you have powerlifters, bodybuilders, people in the fitness community, whatever they do, comment on Bleacher Report or comment on Flash Garrett's page or whatever. You get like this funny battle between powerlifters, powerlifters. People in the fitness and people who are just really big fans of sports, because the counter argument is always, "Oh well, let's see, you play six hundred seventy five pounds on your back," which a lot of powerlifters who commented have. They they can actually, in fact, do that and get full depth, or at least better depth than miles. But the funny thing that the like that's a little bit of a cringe thing sports fans do. But the cringe thing that powerlifters and people in the fitness community do is call them out thinking that they would give a shit, you know, like this dude probably doesn't care that his squat is not even close to depth, um, no matter what you're looking at, power or other workout or other, or other sports or, you know, even CrossFit, bodybuilding, Olympic lifting, no one's ever going to tell you to squat like that. The fact that he has guys around him saying that that's a good squat is a bit alarming because these guys are supposed to be professional strength and conditioning coaches, but I digress. The fact that people roast him thinking that they're actually going to care is kind of comical to me because this also happens with, like, uh, actors too or other, I mean, other athletes, but I remember uh, fucking Hugh Jackman Hugh Jackman was shown deadlifting, like, 405 for him working out for uh, Wolverine for the X-Men movie. And a bunch of bodybuilders and uh, powerlifters started just roasting him about his chicken legs. He had, he had a bit of underdeveloped legs. I mean, he's he well, here's, he's a goddamn actor. The dude does not care how big his legs are. Of course, he's jacked. He's Wolverine. He always wears a Dago T. But like the fact that they are criticizing him, thinking that they'll he'll actually care. Hugh Jackman, the guy on Broadway, the guy who does musicals, the guy who's on X Men, the guy who has way more money than all of us combined, is going to give a shit that he has chicken legs. Makes me laugh. But it's cringe sometimes when powerlifters do that. But then the comments back to powerlifters are also cringe. So, I don't know. I, I, I just found that whole uh, that whole news story kind of – or that whole video and people reposting on their stories, like big powerlifting pages, big powerlifters reposting on their stories, uh, comical. And it entertained me for like 15 minutes on a random Tuesday. So, yeah, those are kind of the current events we have in the powerlifting community within the past week. But now, here's our interview with Dawson Winham. Terrific interview. Love interviewing this guy. Hopefully, I'm on a show again sometime. Actually, I kind of hope he comes out to Raw Nationals because the dude's a beast. People love watching him. People love watching him compete. Um, He was a fan-requested interview, so we're getting all of our fan-requested interviews on. We're trying to get interviews with them, and so far, so good. Terrific interview with him, and here it is. As promised. Fan requested interview, we got 21 years old USAPL raw lifter, has a beast bench, strong as fuck, aesthetic as fuck, and handsome as fuck too. Dawson Winham from Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, how you doing man?
1: I'm doing good man, thank you for the
0: intro. You're very welcome, and Dawson kind of got me hyped up right now because one, he just showed me his view of Myrtle Beach and it's 4th of July weekend right now and I wish I could be... Right where Dawson is right now, because that looks like a great spot for Fourth of July weekend. Of July weekend, kind of messing up your training schedule, right?
1: Uh, not really, man. I'm I, I'm not really one to go out and drink. Um, I think I've had one beer since I have turned 21. I'm, I'm pretty. I'm I'm like I compete August 7th. Okay. In Costa Rica. It will be my first international meet. It's an NAPF meet.
0: Wait, where are you um, where are you competing at? Costa Rica. No shit, APF United. meet.
1: Yeah, I haven't, I haven't really blown this one up much, um, but I'm pretty excited for it. This is going to be my first time, like, actually outside the country. I'm ex- I'll probably just, like, go travel, look around. It'll be in San Jose, Costa Rica. I'm not sure what to expect.
0: Yeah, me neither. Uh, I know Costa Rica is a beautiful place, but at the same time, like, every South American country has got its, like, undesirable places. But... Hmm. Yeah, I didn't. Yeah, I didn't really hear about that. So I didn't know. Yeah, I did not know they were having a meet in Costa Rica. Good luck to you. International meets are fun. I competed in one once and I had a blast. It was in Manchester. Uh, I talked about it on the show a lot of times, but you should have a lot of fun. But did I was talking take- more so traffic going to the gym, not exactly drinking. Oh, uh, oh
1: yeah. <laughs> did you say um APF or NAPF?
0: Uh, APF. Are you doing it- NAPF?
1: This is an NAPF. Oh, meet. okay. That's where I messed it up then. This is like an IPF affiliate kind of deal. Like, I'm, I'm, like, I'm like on the. Um, I had to do the Dell and I have to have the locator form now. It's. I, I don't know why it's not just like an IPF meet, but I, I'm new to it, so.
0: Yeah, well, I'm excited for you. Uh, international meets are awesome. But.
1: Yeah, man, I hope the is not too bad. I hope that doesn't take too much out of
0: me. I think you'll be fine. Do you go through a weight cut at all?
1: Nah, I'm underweight, man. I moved up to the 105-kilogram class, so 231. Um, I've been force-feeding myself. I've been gaining weight for the past few weeks, and I woke up at like 225 this morning.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so I'm underweight by a mile. I was, uh, I've was never had issues making weight as a 93, and I was competitive there, and I, I, I love the weight class, but like... My blood sugar was just so low walking around, I just needed to put on a little bit of extra body fat to continue training because I, I was getting lightheaded and just actually passing out like meat to meat. Jesus. Um, yeah, the doctor couldn't even really give me a good diagnosis on it. So I kind of, it was kind of just a trial and error thing, but I haven't had any issues since I moved up. I'm tall, I'm one, So I guess that's good for the long term move to actually go ahead and move up.
0: Oh, yeah, for sure.
1: That will just take me, um, I'll think about
0: one more year, and I'll actually fill out this weight class. Yeah. Uh, Well, yeah, with international meets, if you don't have to weight cut, it's a little bit easier. The only thing, and this is actually like a tip for everyone doing international meets who are listening, just catch up on your sleep, and if you don't go through a weight cut, then you're cool. International meets um, are fun, and then those are the only real two obstacles. And bring your gear in your carry-on bag.
1: On the plane.
0: Cannot stress that enough. Everything else is replaceable. For sure, absolutely. And uh, yes, uh, Dawson is definitely trying to gain weight because as we are speaking, he is currently getting calories in, so the dude is on the mission 24-7. But before we get into uh, your past meets, your programming, uh, the stuff you do with your nutrition because that's really important to your training, the Two White Lights listeners always want to know, uh, including ourselves, how did you get involved in Weightlifting, powerlifting, what is your origin story?
1: Um, I grew up in the country, I grew up in the cornfield. The first elementary school I went to was like a very Christian school, you know, I never heard a cuss word. Um, mainly white kids. Then I went to like a very, um, ghetto public school the next year. Mm-hmm. Um, it completely different environment, um, something I wasn't used to. I was different. I was new. The group Ferrari established kids can be mean. Mm-hmm. So it was more so me just beginning to defend myself was okay. the main goal. I started out was training. I was doing jujitsu. jitsu um, because I was always a smaller kid. Um, I was always, like, everyone in my family is very skinny baseball players. Like, my brother, um, he just started training with me, thank God. And, <laughs> but he's, like... He, he, he's 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 three years and nine months older than me, so he's 25, and he's probably six two and weighs like 165, 170. Okay. So it definitely doesn't run in the family or anything. I was the first one to ever start. Candido, shout out to him. He had this free program that I decided to butcher and max out on every three weeks <laughs> on the grant. Well, on YouTube back when that was on. Um, he was a Powerlifting God on there before we had much other content. I think Brett Gibbs was uploading at the time. I liked watching him a lot. Mm-hmm. Then this random guy, his name's Patrick. um Great dude. He walked up to me in the gym. I think I was I pulled 525 for a single on deadlift. I look like a I looked like a cat shitting. My back was rounded like hell. <laughs> I had no technique. um I just had a lot of heart and I wouldn't let go of the bar. Yeah. And he walked up to me and was like, dude, why don't you sign up for a meet? I was like, okay, cool. He gave me a singlet, and he wrote my programming going into it. I went nine for nine. I squatted 496. I benched 353. And I deadlifted 551 at 17 years old as a 93-kilogram lister. Um, I won, it was like a bunch of state records, which everyone cares about, obviously.
0: Oh, yeah. Uh, state <laughs> records are the most important uh, thing. Look at anyone's Instagram yeah. profile. State records are going to be on there.
1: At the time, I was extremely proud of them. Until I, I, I looked at the database a little more, and I found this Ashton Ruska kid, um, this Jesse Norris kid. I'm like, dang, who are these guys? Why are they so strong? I, those Texans, man, whatever it is that they're te- the Texas High School Federation starts them young. Uh-huh.
0: Yeah, they got like a legit, legit. Competition there just within that state. You could have like a national competition in Texas, and just have those guys there, and you will get some of the best lifts you'll ever see. I've been
1: told that they can have on like briefs under a squat suit, and like use bench daddies and whatever equipment. Like a lot of it, like inflates the numbers extremely dramatically. Mm-hmm. The spotting um, has looked a little bit ghetto from a few times I've seen, but like I haven't I haven't seen many of them. I hope there's like good quality meat tram by them. Um, there's definitely some freaks that were bred from it. I mean, Joe Pena, um, there's a kid right now, I think think his name is Rick. He's like a 17, 16-year-old kid. He's a 66, and he's doing, like, pause, (laughs) that was 585 for reps.
0: God. Yeah, Um, I've been seeing a lot of stuff like this through the, on social media just of these children now fucking destroying weight, and like, alright, well, that's... Well, yeah me too i mean i was psyched for having like a 430 deadlift when i was 16 years old and i was psyched to get four plates when i was in high school now it's now it ain't no now it ain't no thing just doing that shit
1: the next generation is gonna be wild bro
0: yeah it is and you know i i got i got like four more years for that then like once i turn 30 i'm like yeah you know i don't <laughs> know, i don't know how competitive i'll be after me turning 30
1: David Ricks being competitive at 55, 56. I don't know how old he
0: is. Well, i would love to be the outlier, but right now it's looking doubtful.
1: <laughs> your back and your hips are telling you
0: something. Dude, my yeah, my hips are already telling me something. You know I mean I got a I got a nasty hip shift already going.
1: Dude, I'm I'm right there with you. Yeah. But I think I'll be alright. I I don't I don't think I'll be able to train or bench four times a week the rest of my life, but I'll be doing something.
0: Yeah, so take me actually through your programming right now uh, because you're. I always get intrigued with younger lifters, and you are a younger lifter, twenty-one years old. You've been lifting for a while because you said your first competition was seventeen. So you got some never, years under your belt, but.
1: I was, was trained since I was fourteen. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I thought I wanted to do men's physique or bodybuilding. And I was watching Christian Guzman on
0: YouTube. That's how we before. all start. Uh, he, he didn't even have Alphalete. he was a college kid trying to
1: figure out whatever he wanted to do. So it was cool to watch him turn from that to what he is now. But I, I wanted to impress some girls, you know. Mm-hmm. That didn't work. I'm, I'm still trying. Um, <laughs> but right now, since you know, in the off season, I like I, I took like three months off from flat benching. I didn't have put a bar. I don't want to say three months; probably like five weeks off of. Um, Barbell movements. I wasn't deadlifting. I would just get on a belt squat, a hack squat, um, do a lot of dumbbell presses, and a lot of like heavy pulling. Uh-huh. Um, I slowly got introduced back to barbells again. I think I was squatting twice a week, um, deadlift once, and bench two times. But now that I'm closer to meat prep, this isn't something I would recommend to many people. Um, and it's a very aggressive approach. Um, I am squatting three times a week. I have, like, one main deadlift day, and then I'll do, like, an RDL or a stiff leg once a week, so two deadlift slots, one of them being um, competition stance, and then I have four bench days. My accessories are mainly, um, I'm not really doing many pressing accessories. It might be some very, like, dumbbell, pre- like, shoulder pressing or some incline pressing, flies. Um, I'm doing upper back work probably every day. Okay. Or- um, I don't think there's any point that your upper back could be too strong. You know, um, with all the pressing I'm doing, I feel like it's necessary to do to keep my shoulders healthy. They kind of balance it out. And majority of my bench days stay relatively, he- like, heavy. The fourth bench day of the week is probably, like, it's 10s. It's 315. I think that would be, like, 70%, maybe below. Um, So that one's probably my lightest day. But other than that, like, I'm throwing... 365, 375, 385 around for majority of my volume work but I'm also like three weeks out but somehow like I, I, th- I thought it would be a lot harder to maintain that because benching three times a week I felt like I was falling apart mm-hmm. but it's like after like the first two weeks once I actually adapted to it like I'm I'm fine like I go in and I bench um, like this is going to be my third day in a row of benching my shoulders and my chest and my packs feel good okay yeah i'm I'm also 21 i'm a little bit young dumb and bulletproof um and i definitely don't think benching four times a week is necessary but i have my eyes on rondell hunt's bench world record is currently 470 and i just want to i want to do my best to break that
0: yeah that's sure
1: that's i've been so aggressive in this approach i'm not really sure what my plans are to compete after
0: okay um
1: I don't know if I'm going to do Raw Nationals because that's going to be pretty close, and I kind of want to have fun at this one. That I really just kind of have my eyes out on this one. I'm going to kind of go from there, see how my body feels after.
0: Yeah, so it sounds to me that you're self-coached. Is that correct?
1: So Mike, my buddy Michael Farr. He writes my program. Um, he's very um, – I'll, I'll kind of tell him what I'm thinking. Like it was my idea to jump back to squatting three times a week.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um to try benching four times a week, but he's the one that puts it all on paper. Um, majority of it, he'll just kind of, like, he'll put down a number. If I'm feeling, re- like, extremely good, I'll do a little more. If I'm feeling a little beat up, I'll do a little less kind of deal. Um, the main thing that I really have him for is, like, reassurance. Like, I, if I have a bad day, you know, so I don't jump ship and change plan, which I think is, like, a very – I think that's the most useful thing for having a coach for a more experienced lifter because I feel like I know myself pretty well. Yeah. Um. Like I, I feel like I know what I can recover from what I can handle, but like whenever you have a bad day, it's having that extra pair of eyes. Be like, okay, this is probably why things are like things happened this way today. You know.
0: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so with your program, sounds pretty high in volume, and you mentioned that you're benching three times a week. People are always curious how people are able to recover, and I know nutrition is a big part of your programming. So take us through that. What exactly is your plan when it comes to your diet and nutrition?
1: Um, I, I'm not trying to plug anyone here, but I really do think the Rinsauc periodization um, has like a, a a solid approach about it. Talking to a lot of bodybuilding coaches, it's actually pretty similar to how they. Ate eat around their workouts mm-hmm. um so i usually train after two meals deep in the day so i'll kind of base my meals off of that like my first meal will be um like a kind of a higher like kind of a protein fat carb meal the meal pre-workout i kind of back off the fat so it's a little so it can digest a little bit quicker
0: okay uh, this may is so it'll be like a
1: lower protein higher carb like I'll use baby food. I'll use, like, the cream of rice baby food just because it's easy to cook. Well, like, all you have to do is add water, and it's very fast-digesting carbs. Mm-hmm. Um, some people do muffins, whatever. I don't really – as long as it's a fast-digesting carb and it's, like, light on their stomach, that's cool. Um, due to the fact that I'm at the gym for an extremely long time, I talk, I have um, training partners, I'm helping random people a lot of the time. So, I like to have like some whey on me. I have like some like isopure whey, some carb gainer, and I'll use some Gatorade. I I have a very hard time eating enough. Um, like I'm probably the amount of carbs I take in a day is probably like around 800. I'm probably around 250 protein and 130, 40 fat. And that's just that's a lot of food to be doing consistently.
0: Yeah, 800 Um, carbs is a ton. Oh, I think so the, the far highest far. I was at was 400 when I actually cracked my macros. Now I don't, but right now Sweet. I'm not at 400. I know that for a fact.
1: But a lot of it's like liquids. Um, I usually put down a thing of Fair life every night. Um, there'll be like two Gatorades, like 120 grams of carbs with a carb gainer in my intro workout, along with like – I usually stick it around 30 grams away. I don't like a lot of protein like during my lift, but usually like um, post-workout I will kind of have like a normal – Protein, fat, carb meal. Well, no, post-workout I want it to be on um, higher protein, higher carb, so it like kind of absorbs faster, replenishes everything that's gone, and then maybe like an hour, hour and a half after that, I'll have another like normal protein, fat, carb meal, and it's usually pretty like steak, rice, veggies, steak, potatoes, veggies, fish, rice, veggie, like you know, uh-huh. the simple, basic, whatever. Um, I do try to have like a I do try to do a lot of potatoes to have like a, a lot of potassium in my diet because I have an extremely um, I have a pretty high sodium intake. Um, I I'm don't I'm not, I don't do much cardio that can lead like blood pressure issues. But I found is like as long as my potassium intake is relatively high and to correlate with that sodium, I'm usually all right. Mm-hmm. Um, I probably do some cardio in the off season, lose lose a couple pounds. I'm not really in a rush to be 240 pounds. I want to be healthy yeah Lunch is my ultimate goal here um and then the last meal today is usually like higher fat higher protein i think it'd be like 90 grams of protein and I've, um the whole goal of that is the fact that i usually pick like a casein protein source like cottage cheese whey milk whatever um just, and like something like peanut butter, or almonds, like something high fat, that way it slows the digestion and it's just like that way I can synthesize protein a little more evenly throughout the night and just try to optimize protein synthesis as much as possible. Mm -hmm. I know a lot of people think it doesn't matter on when you take in your protein. Um, I don't think it's that big of a deal, I think, for like an average person who isn't aiming to compete, it should not be something they stress out about as much. But if you're going to be at the top level, you go to Raw Nationals, and people are winning by two point five kilograms. You know, the very small percentage things is what's making the difference.
0: Yeah, um, ex- extremely detailed approach to it. I, I think we're on the same age. I was the same way, but I wasn't really powerlifting at the time. It was more so wanting to, exactly what you said, put on some muscle, maybe with the hopes of attracting some females. But yeah. with when uh, since and then, but since I started powerlifting, kind of fell off the whole thing. So you're. You, it sounds like that has a pretty good effect on your training
1: oh yeah no it's been the the difference between my performance at raw nationals and collegiate nationals i I really do believe was due to my diet all right um, i feel like if you are not eating and fueling yourself properly you are not going to be able to train as hard as you possibly can if i if i'm off for my nutrition and i'm just eating kind of whatever to get the calories in i can i can feel a difference
0: yeah Out of curiosity, how much questions do you get, like, weekly, daily, on your diet, as opposed to your workouts? Um... Because uh, I noticed something. Once I started wearing cutoffs to train and started taking off my shirt while training, I received more diet questions. I'm like, you guys weren't asking this shit when I was wearing shirts, so... Probably 50-50,
1: honestly. Okay. I get more training questions than diet questions. I don't know why. Um.
0: Yeah, because yeah, yeah, at first, it was like 97% workout for me, and then 3% nutrition, and then I wore a cutoff once, and they're like, wow, he's 13% body fat, let's ask him a bunch of nutrition questions, I'm like, I'm the worst person to ask for nutrition, because, man, sometimes I eat like, 3 or 4 meals before I train, and sometimes I eat none, so, or I mean, just like a snack, like a breakfast sandwich or something.
1: I usually like to keep it relatively light before I train.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I, I eat a lot at night, so I mean, I still have, I still get the calories in. I'm, like I, I, still want to get like a decent amount of protein earlier in the day and be hydrated. That's my main focus. For sure, really light, fast-digesting carbs.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you spoke about this earlier with collegiate nationals. That was your most recent competition, correct?
1: Uh, yes, sir. Around nine days out. I didn't post anything about this because this is my own fault. I didn't want to make any excuses about it.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: I was pulling my last heavy deadlift session. I was supposed to get up like 694 this day. I broke the ground with 650, and then I called it a day. Okay. Um, my lower back seized up. I couldn't put my pants on by myself for like two days. Um, it was it was demeaning. I got sick the day after. I, um, I hurt like I hurt my back too. Because I, I live in a little college apartment on campus and be a little bit of a cesspool. Um, and it was rough. I, around, I think it was like five days out, I got my first um, squat session in. Okay. As soon as I felt good enough to do a bodyweight squat, I went and squatted with a barbell. I hit 515 and it felt like absolute shit.
0: Okay. Um,
1: it felt like it was going to kill me. My body weight was down. Um, my lower back didn't hurt. It just kind of didn't feel strong.
0: Okay.
1: Um, I squatted six twenty seven
0: in training,
1: six maybe six twenty three. I'm pretty sure it's six twenty three. Training for collegiate. Um, I squatted six hundred pounds at collegiate, and I was very grateful for that. I was grateful enough to be able, like, physically able to compete. I, I was still like a twenty two pound meat PR or something for me, twenty three pound meat PR. Um. I benched a collegiate American record of 458. I had the biggest bench out of everyone there, and I was competing against Ruzka, Akune, some big boys, Brandon Payne, Mm -hmm. some Devontae. There was, like, the guy who won collegiate nationals last year, I think he totaled, like, 1710, 1705, something like that. I totaled, like, 1730, and I I placed fifth. Okay. I've never been so happy with a fifth place finish. As lame as that sounds.
0: Um, yeah, I totally agree with that, especially with the amount of talent that's coming out of the USAPL and the collegiate level. Because I saw some of the numbers there, and it's like those are look, high level down, top meets.
1: Dude, Ruskin pulled eight hundred pounds. A squatting six seventy. Um, they're pulling seven fifty casually. You yeah. Know? Oh, yeah, and uh, yeah, a lot um, of people
0: I'm seeing are just putting up insane all-time totals and numbers in the USAPL and other federations, too, because it's, it's no longer no, no, like the be, collegiates water. like the minor leagues.
1: Yeah, no, the, the, a lot of those totals would have been um, very competitive at an international level. Rusko's, um, I think he weighed in, at, I think he drank water before he stepped on the scale just to pick on all of us. <laughs> um, he weighed in at like 206. And he pulled 805 pounds at 22 years old. It was the craziest thing I've ever seen. Yep. Uh, he could have been a 93. I don't, You don't see any other 93s or 105.800 on a stiff bar, you know?
0: You don't see him, don't doing, see him doing it, period, doing really. That. Yeah, it's not exactly a whole <laughs> yeah. thing. Like, the, that those numbers <laughs> yeah. now yeah. are just all time.
1: At a collegiate meet. Yeah. Um, Akune played in the NFL. He played second. I think he played for the Dallas Cowboys. It's just show how much like raw natural talent he has mm-hmm. um i deadlifted 677 that meet um i was happy with it man i, I know like moving into this one i want to do a lot more um i have a lot bigger goals for a squat and a deadlift and i've been staying healthy after taking that t- um the time off from barbells that did me a lot of good so okay. i'm hoping i can blow those out of water um I'm, I'm very, I'm proud of what I did, but by no means satisfied. I would like to hit, I would like to add a decent amount on that bench, too, and try to put together all my first 800 kilos plus total Yeah, at this one.
0: Yeah, and I think it's really possible for you to do that, too, because, again, it was a good performance at Raw Nationals in spite of only placing fifth, but I've been telling this to people a lot at um, at my gym. If I go in total 1,700 at USAPL Raw Nationals and I finish fourth or fifth, I'm extremely happy with that because the competition is getting so strong, but you can't let that discourage you from a big total. And I think you're on that level of improving your total, having some all-time lifts, and on top of that, but still in this mix of like this massive competitive ground that's USAPL.
1: Oh, man. You got – look at Russ now. What do you spot at World six? 90.
0: He squatted everything. I think. I think he just squatted every all the weight that they had over there, cool. and then he pulled over seven hundred, like nine for nine meet, and yeah. So it's there's no shame in losing to guys like that.
1: I think the world record pull, um, like two months ago for eighty three. I don't know what it is now. It was like seven sixteen. I know Russ pulled seven seventeen. I don't know if that counted as a world record or not, but it was like RP eight. So <laughs> well, regardless, I'm sure he could have. If you wanted, that that is 180 pounds, dude. You don't see guys competing untested doing this with knee wraps, um, you know, a little bit of help. They they are still not touching these numbers.
0: Yeah. Well, I can tell you right now, I do have a pretty good knowledge of the all-time drug test world record because I'm slowly approaching it. But uh, the um, but yeah, again, there's not a lot of people doing it as far as that because within the IPF, their world record 716, but Yang Su Ren. People don't really mention him a lot. He pulled seven fifty before, so at a USAPL meet oh, tested. So, with Panda, yeah.
1: It, it was due to the fact that it's it's probably, it's a lot harder for Americans to get to do an international meet than yep. it is to actually hit the world record at this point, due to the fact how competitive everyone is.
0: Oh yeah, for sure.
1: This just doesn't make any sense, man. I remember seeing him. He was walking around with his shirt off at Raw Nationals, and I didn't think anything of this guy. And then he just yanked seven fifty off. It's like not not a wide stance, like moderate. He, he wasn't even the most technically efficient. It just just backs just made of steel, man.
0: He understands how to pull. That's why I admire the guy. He just really understands how to pull weight. And it's, it's always yeah, and then I agree. It's always incredible looking at him do it too, because you look at Russ, you look at Noriega, you look at all these guys who look the part, but then and then. Yang is just pulling 7.30 off the floor pretty easily for a double, probably. Yeah. All right, so we talk about collegiate nationals and comm- what's up?
1: I would love to see the people in his co- He's training to have a little commercial gym now. I'd love to see their reactions to him. Yeah, he tra-
0: I think he trains at a 24-hour fitness, and I used to train at 24-hour fitness when I was in San Jose, and it's a pain in the ass training there, as opposed to the other commercial gyms <laughs> I train at. 24-hour fitness in San Jose was even harder, because it was super populated, the weights were all fucked up, they had, like, a mix of bumper plates and all that kind of stuff, but it's all if you went at, like, 6 o'clock in the morning, then no one was there, which was what I had to do, because if I went at, like, noon, I wasn't I wasn't lifting.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'd have to get a membership somewhere else, man. I wouldn't be up that
0: early. Yeah. Uh, the only thing with me, where I worked, it was, like, walking distance for where I worked, so... And we only had, like, one car when we were out there, too. So I had to either Uber to different places and, like, screw it. Let's just train. And my training's going to take a bit of a hit while uh, while you're at, like, places where you're not really used to. Yeah. But yeah, but he's he, he's a beast for sure. Um, So you talked about uh, collegiate nationals, and you have an upcoming meet in Costa Rica. So is this meet in Costa Rica just for you trying to train in an international competition or do you have some numbers you're trying to hit you mentioned a world record bench but is that the reason why you're doing why you're doing the meet that's
1: the main reason
0: okay uh, is it is a full there. power
1: um yes yeah, a full power meet okay I, I don't really know it my um i have my numbers wrote down but i don't really want to say them mm-hmm. um the main goal is going to be the bench and all of that just get some international experience and have fun is my goal um I'm I'm sure there's going to be some adversity. I've never competed internationally. I'm not too sure what to what all to expect, but I would love to. Um, I would uh, a top PRs, meet PRs, whatever, Um and a nine for nine day. Hopefully, around the five hundred will. Mm-hmm.
0: Um,
1: if it happens, cool. If not, there will be another meet.
0: Yeah, and um so continue.
1: I'm just going to do my best, and that's pretty much all, like, whatever happens, happens
0: from there. Oh, yeah, for sure, and it's still, yeah, international meets are another thing where it's, like, you're just main goal, objective, have fun, and then also, like, also put in a good total, and I think you're more incapable capable of doing that. But I hate to look ahead, and I hate doing this myself, but after this meet, where do you see yourself competing within your, like, kind of early stages in your powerlifting career? mm
1: I might try some USPA meets just for fun. Um, Raw Nationals, maybe Worlds later on one day. Not sure about it this year. Um, maybe just compete locally. I don't, I don't really have any set plans. Raw Nationals for next year. Maybe do some of these USPA money meets. Mm hmm. Try, try to see if I can beat some people, win, win a little bit of cash, especially the local ones.
0: Yeah. Uh, um,
1: that's pretty much it, man. I don't,
0: Alright, well, so you're not really set into this, like, you're going to compete at USAPL, you're kind of want to broaden your horizon with different federations.
1: Man, after this Costa Rica meet, I might
0: do a, I might die down to 200
1: pounds and do a show. Do a show? I don't know. Uh, I, I'm not saying I will.
0: I'm saying I'm just... We're I'm not, always looking for breaking news on Two White Lights, so... You know, I set
1: that on. <laughs> I'm not scared to take some time off and walk away from it and come back. It will always be here. Yeah, well, and
0: time off is actually kind of a good thing. I think people don't value time off as much as they should. Um, I think people just get so anxious that they're not in the gym and they're out of their routines that they don't want to try new things. But I've seen it be really good for lifters to try different things and get back into powerlifting. Yeah, just,
1: just for fun. Just yeah. keep trying is the re- only real reason i might try some different training styles i might start throwing some chains or bands and little kind to get stuff whatever um just maybe maybe try some different specialty bars um never use a slingshot on bench like just i want to learn i want to exper- like experiment some mm-hmm. um I, I have an internship up in florida with a pretty well-known strength and conditioning coach i'll, I'll probably name drop him later on um but I'm excited to go learn from him and kind of get into the strength and conditioning field and work with like different athletes, like work with like some baseball players, wrestlers, football players, whatever you
0: know. Yeah, that all, Yeah, that would be extremely interesting to do. And I was always curious about that like aspect of training as well. For how does it correlate into strength athletes? Um, I don't
1: know yet.
0: Yeah, and I'm I'm curious about that too because I don't know. I'm like, do would uh, they, they need to power lift or?
1: Um, I'm sure a barbell squat would have a place in anyone's program.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, well, yeah, I know conjugate for a fact has worked for a lot of different strength athletes, including like Clemson's strength conditioning coach, preaches conjugate training. Louis Simmons had a direct impact on their programming, and it's like Jesus Christ, and you yeah, can see the type of athletes that come out of there too.
1: Mm-hmm. I think I think uh, palasters have programming down to a science, man. Yep. I do. I think you could apply it everywhere. I think everyone could learn a little bit from us about that, but I think we could learn a lot from um, other aspects. We like A lot of us not caring about nutrition or mobility or um, proper movement early on,
0: you mm-hmm. know? Like, yeah, I, I completely agree with that. Uh, so if you were to have, like, this one goal in powerlifting, what would it be? Like hmm. that pinnacle level, it's on the top of your bucket list, what would that be?
1: Probably win. Um, one hundred and five open.
0: Open. Open worlds. worlds. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that is, that's a pretty good one. Like for mine, it was just to be ranked number one in the world for one day, at the end of the calendar year. I could be broken like January second, but as long as I get that one day within the end of a car- calendar year, and I call myself best in the world for like a second. That's my goal, and I think it's equivalent to winning IPF Worlds because of the level of lifters that go out there.
1: Mm-hmm. It's, um, you you end know, up a world champion the rest of your life. No matter what, someone, if someone blew it out of the water a week later, you were still a world champion. Yeah, just,
0: for a, yeah, yeah. just for a second. I, I'm, I'm cool with that, just for a second. But, again, I think actually IPF Worlds win in the open is actually a little bit better because you have to go through a little bit more adversity to get that. Because I could technically do my goal with winning a local meet,
1: mm-hmm.
0: according to openpowerlifting.org. But if you go to Worlds and kind of compete there and win, I think it's a little bit better of a little bit when better of a feather in your cap. Difference. Oh, yeah, for sure.
1: That's what makes it fun, in my opinion. The anxiety, um, the fact that everyone's kind of dealing with their own issues. Some people might be a little bit banged up. Someone might have a perfect meat prep and have a bad meat. Someone might do the, have, a, have a terrible prep and then have the best meat of their life, you know?
0: Yeah. And one thing I was always computer, uh, curious about, because this never happened to me, and it's going to at Raw Nationals, I can guarantee you that, but with all the meats I've done, like, I want to know how it feels to watch a deadlift before me, say of like 650 pounds, and watch them smoke it, and see how I respond to that, because that watching the competition do work is something that either could motivate people or discourage people, and I've actually yet to see that from competitions I've been at. You described it perfectly with, like, Collegiate Nationals watching Ashton compete and all the other guys compete.
1: Yeah, um, you're, you're trying to base their numbers off of, um, I mean, your numbers off of their numbers. You know, if someone misses a pool, everything could change. Mm-hmm. um someone might bomb out i mean you never wish that on anyone but i mean you never know what would, what can
0: happen yeah oh, yeah for sure all right so we got a little bit of our segments coming up we me ban unfortunately can't be here for this interview me and ban usually do a technique tip not gonna lie we're running a little bit low on technique tips we've had around 20 episodes and Um, we're going to start passing off the technique tips to our interviewees and our guests. So, Dawson, if you could give one cue or technique tip, what would it be?
1: I would say to keep your forearms perpendicular in every press, you're always going to want your elbow directly under the bar, Mm -hmm. and, like, as close to being directly under your wrist as possible, so you can, um, generate the most force into the barbell.
0: Yeah, I like that one. I think... With me, I started to, I thought I was flaring my elbows too far out, but now, now I realize that they're actually in line with the bar, and I was just benching incorrectly for that entire time, because I try to keep them in so much. And so, you were Oh yeah, I was over overtucking, and then I'm like, man, it feels like I'm flaring it out now. They're like, no, you're just doing it actually right, and it feels weird. I'm like, oh, okay, well, <laughs> that's that's a learning experience. About
1: it. Like, hey, do I talk my elbows or do I flare them? And I'm like, those are those terms are relative. <laughs> like, flares relative to where you're currently at. Like, just send me a video, dude. Send me a picture. I'll be able to actually help you.
0: Yeah. Also, yeah, it's um, it is, I'm sure you get a lot of questions for either technique and workout advice, but it's doubly frustrating when someone describes something you in type and you've never seen that person Yeah lift before. It's like I can't diagnose anything because I've never seen you lift so i have I no idea i don't even know if you're a conventional or sumo deadlift or where that, you are on your sumo the, deadlift
1: um, majority of programming questions i get like dude i don't know <laughs> it takes me time to figure out how to program someone you know you like know. I, what they can handle um i'm a firm believer in the minimum dosage of training volume you need to progress for, for majority of beginners at least
0: yeah Yeah, for sure. I I agree with that. I just – with some of the questions I received too, it's like the best piece of advice sometimes is like go and do what you feel is right and just get stronger and get that progress, then start coming with really more specific technique questions because you might not be there at this point. But that's a good technique tip. I'm sure a lot of our listeners will appreciate uh, any bench technique or advice because – the cliche powerlifters say is that their bench sucks. So, anything that'll help with that is good. But speaking of clichés, we do this with a lot of our guests. What is one of the more annoying things you hear powerlifters say?
1: When someone messages, I don't know if this counts. Um, when someone messages me and the opener is, "Hey, I have a question," or "Hey, can you answer a question?" I'm like, "Dude, you're, you're wasting my time. <laughs> like, ask the fucking question." <laughs> I'll get back to you I don't mind then you message
0: me back the question like dude just shoot it like I never thought about that it pisses
1: me off dude I get triggered I've never like never rude to a guy
0: but I'm like alright come on do you just say no it's like hey can I ask a question No. what's up no it's like can I ask a question No. that should be your response (laughs) like no you can't when am I I I ever gonna really say no
1: I'm very I get a lot of messages, man. It just makes me, like, a little less likely to get back to them if I'm busy and I get that. You know
0: what I mean? Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean,
1: I try to get back to everyone, but when I get, like, 50 DMs a day, it's like, all right, like, let's see who actually tried to ask a question, you Mm -hmm.
0: know? Yeah, and I think I've ranted before on the show about that with, like, how vague certain questions are. I think I, I start going on a rant about that, but usually when someone asks that same thing, like, hey, man, can I ask a question? Be like, depends on the question. Or can you answer a question for me? I'm like, Depends on the question, okay. man. If you're gonna answer ask me a question about quantum physics, I cannot mm-hmm. answer any questions that you have. But if you have something relatively simple, I could definitely answer it for you.
1: That's pretty much it,
0: yeah. Yeah, but uh that's a that's a pretty funny one. But yeah, like those super vague questions, um one of the I, I'm sure you get this one a lot is is this total or is this exit total good for my is, weight? Yeah, like that one drives me up the wall. I want to just
1: message this back and be like,
0: "No." But... <laughs> well, it's like it's like yeah, sure. I I could say yes every single time. It's like I, compared to what? Compared to who? Compared to me? Compared to the other guy? Compared to your I'm friends? You. I have no clue, man. Yeah. So it's that that's that's one, but that's actually a pretty funny one. I never heard someone just get that like basic with it because we're all talking about like uh like excuses. Like this is the was in the meat I wanted, but it was a meat that's going to turn into a learning experience for me, but just a simple, hey man, I have a question, or can I ask a question, it's a pretty good one. Alright, and we have our Two White Lights topic of the week, we're going to discuss this after this interview, but a lot of discussion on RP and percentage-based training. What's your opinion on those two types of training?
1: I think they could do extremely similar things if known how to apply mm-hmm. like i think you could have like if you were really good with rpe and you intended for someone to hit even if they're like over ambitious and like if you give them an eight they're giving gonna go for a nine like maybe give them a seven instead so they actually hit what you want you know yeah um, or you could use like a percentage or just give them a straight up number on what they could hit it's all about like if you actually know how to apply it, um, personally, I use a lot more percentage based. I'm very hands on with, like, whenever I'm writing a program, like, I like to see a lot of, like, how training is going. Majority mm-hmm. of my training is sub maximal, and I use RP more towards, like, a meat prep when, like, things are becoming more intense and they can auto regulate more. Yeah. Um, a lot of times I like, give a percentage, I'm like, okay, be aware that if something, like, say, uh, my buddy, the guy I coach now, named Maui, he's he's, he's, a, he's an amazing lifter in the CPU. He's a stud of a dude. He's got a little bit of knee issues. And I, 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 earlier this week, I gave him some high bar, like, beltless, narrow stance squats. I was like, look, man, if it just doesn't feel good, back off. Like, it is what it is, you know? Like, try to keep it around, like, RV6, keep it clean. Like, it's more so... um. If if a coach just gave someone RPE, I think it could be, like, a very lazy way to program it if you let it go unsupervised. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of these younger kids with RPE can overshoot a lot more. Depending on their personality, I was always going to be the one to overshoot. That's why I'm a big fan of percentages to just kind of keep me in the pocket. Mm-hmm. Um, but, again, it's, I think it's, like, a lot of a personality thing on what would be best for somebody. Or, But I am I usually stick more to percentage. It's yeah. Gonna be like, I would,
0: to, I, yeah, I'm on the same boat with you as, as far as me using percentage, but I'm on the same boat but almost the opposite way because I undershoot a lot of things. So if you tell me RPE like eight, I'll probably give you an RPE seven because I'm afraid to go at an RPE eight or nine because I really don't know what it feels like. So it could actually have a like same effect where someone overshoots, but you don't also want someone to undershoot things as well.
1: Yeah, I've, I've definitely always been an overshooter. I get so excited. I'm doing it for the gram,
0: man. Yeah. Well, I get nervous on certain lifts. So like, deadlift, I'm usually cool with because deadlift. I mean, granted, you could definitely get hurt deadlifting, but squatting, I just get scared to squat. I'm still scared uh, to squat. I Every time I step on the bar, I get nervous. Bro. What's up?
1: Like, especially if you don't have spotters that you trust that can actually pull it off of. Oh, man, I've, I've eaten. Especially, like, the safety squat bar is the scariest one, man. You can't get out of that thing super easily.
0: Oh, yeah, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, you do a lot of safety bar squats, too, from what I've seen. I did, man. I got,
1: I got destroyed by one a few months back. Yeah, <laughs> I think I failed, like a 555 triple or something, and I didn't have anywhere to go, and I had the safety so like low on the rack, dude, it bent me over.
0: <laughs> yeah, I've seen that before happen, and that's actually, it's, granted, usually when I'm at the gym, we have spotters, but me, I'm a guy that I, it's either we have two spotters or we have no spotters, because I'll drop the weight on the safety bars, I don't care, I don't, I'm not... If you're behind me, you're not doing anything. So, and I've seen that a lot recently, where people are using just one back spotter, and I just it drives me insane. Yeah, like, it's not helping. Feel
1: that.
0: What's up? Especially
1: if you're heavy, like I don't expect someone to pick six hundred pounds off of me if like something happens. You know? Oh
0: hell no, hell no. I saw someone get folded today, just today. While we're and we're interviewing this, like the day before Independence Day, so July third, I saw it today happen, and I just from experienced powerlifters, I don't know what the train of thought is. Having one back spotter. I don't care how much weight's on the bar. If you drop that, say, and also you're in wraps, you're folding the next person behind you.
1: Yeah, maybe and if it's someone to help you like rack. Well, like just get back on the rack whenever you're done.
0: That's you that's perfectly fine.
1: Spotter, I'd probably still use the safety instead of depending on them.
0: Yeah, and you and you have the famous uh, the picture and video of you missing on the uh, bench press too. <laughs>
1: I'm glad that's the one thing I got famous for. <laughs>
0: Well, I didn't even well actually, I didn't even know what happened until um until Liam made the the character or the uh, the lifting art from it too, and I saw the video. I'm like, oh, that was a funny video, just how you raised your hand, just <laughs> like a lot of calm, cool, and collected for uh, having some weight on your chest,
1: dude. I, I, like. I, I, could, I had trouble breathing at that moment. I have, looking back, I have no clue how I was that calm.
0: You had a nice smile on your face, though. You're just like <laughs> laughing, kind of how you are now. You're like, yeah, you that smirk on your face, and you just raise your hand. It's it's one of my favorite things that I've seen. Just like, hey, someone, I have 400 pounds. My chest, come fucking take it off me.
1: I I, I must I had confidence I was gonna be okay. Yeah. The safety the safety was in the way, so it wasn't like pinning. It wasn't sitting directly on me, but it was definitely. It's
0: definitely on my chest. Oh yeah, for sure. I would probably, I would probably just piss myself because whenever something, because when I've missed, I think I've missed the, the uh, the rack once (laughs) on a bench, and it was and it it wasn't like too much weight, so I was able to get it back on. But I remember this that feeling of it falling, and I I was like, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, and then I had to like get it back up, and like it wasn't even that much weight, and I was pussing out that quickly. So I can just imagine from actual weight. What's
1: up? I have a ton of experience fucking up, man.
0: <laughs> Well, it's good. You got it. You know what? I haven't fucked up as much, so when I do, it's going to be a lot worse for me. You need that experience.
1: <laughs> I'm lucky I haven't got hurt doing um, a lot of the shit as I do. But, I mean, just if you have those safety rails there, you're usually all right, you know?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and I've seen someone drop, like, a considerable, where it slipped out of their hand completely. And those safety bars kind of saved their lives. It still hit their chest, but the safety bars were high enough where it doesn't cave oh, them it's in completely. It's yeah, it, it's, it, it gets pretty violent, but just have them up a little bit. It doesn't have to be above your chest. Have them up a little bit, and they'll save you.
1: You ever seen you know, a failed like a failed bench in a bench shirt?
0: Yes, ever? I have. My very first that's meet, a, actually.
1: That's the scariest shit.
0: Yeah, someone... <laughs> Yeah, he uh, misgrooved it, and he drove it towards his face. And it was, I think, 600 pounds. He uh, pretty much dropped it on his face. It was in a competition, so that was good. So he had a bunch of of spotters around him uh, who knew what they were doing. But when I saw it, I was actually weighing in, too, because I was a junior. That was my very first meet, and I was weighing in. We had 24-hour weigh-ins at APF meets. And then I was walking through, and I saw that happen. I'm like, "Oh shit! I should probably never get in the suit in my life, <laughs> or a shirt." Uh, my that's... co-host gets pissed off when I call it a suit, so I'll call it a bench shirt.
1: I, I think uh, squat suits blow out too, man. Gear lifting is not for me.
0: Yeah, um, I could. The most amount of gear I think, uh, considering putting on, is wraps, and then that's about it.
1: That would be a stretch for me.
0: Yeah, um, I've.
1: On my sleeves
0: yeah my sleeve my i I mean i just and i was raw raw for a while because apf does not allow sleeves for raw lifting so i was no sleeves for a while and then when i put the sleeves on that took a while for me to just make that change now thinking of wraps i'm probably like four or five years out Hmm. yep Alright Dawson, terrific interview, thanks for coming on. Uh, you're not coming to Raw Nationals, which is unfortunate because you'll be 15 minutes away from me. Uh,
1: we'll see, we will
0: see. Alright, not putting undecided. out of the realm of possibility.
1: I'm undecided, I'll make up my mind soon. Okay. I'll probably, I don't know, we'll w- see.
0: Well if it's any motivation to come out here, Raw Nationals is in <laughs> Illinois, 15 minutes away from my house. We get to have you on the show again if that's any type of motivation to come out here for Raw Nationals.
1: I would love to be on the show again. Thank you so much for having me, sir.
0: No problem. And thank you for coming on again. This is a fan requested interview. A lot of people want to hear from Dawson. Here he is on the show. We give the fans what they want. Thank you. Enjoy your 4th of July. Have a good one, bro. You too, man. All right. And we are back. Thank you again to Dawson coming on two highlights again. Hope to have you on the show again. Cause terrific interview, terrific lifter, Love to have you um, on the show again. Now, we alluded to it in the interview. The plan was for this week the topic to be RPE, first percentage-based training. But, again, I'm flying solo. My confidence is building. feel like I could do the show solo. But in order for us to have a good topic, I need to have a co-host. I need to have Bane with me. I need to have the Two White Lights topic up. We didn't post a topic because... It was unsure if we'll be able to um, be in either the layer or over FaceTime to discuss the topic. So we didn't post it. We'll probably post it next week. But I could give you a little bit of a, maybe a preview of RPE first percentage based training. Because I see it a lot being incorporated into programs. And I got a lot of discussions about it at the gym. Or just with other powerlifters, either through Instagram or just at powerlifting meets on what, or how they approach it. For me, I prefer percentage-based training, but I think they are easily interchangeable where my percentage-based training is usually based off of an RPE. But what I think, which I could be wrong on it, I just don't know why RPE doesn't have like a decimal system. I think if it had, like, a decimal system, I would be more inclined to use RPE because I I, I don't, like, where's the fine line between 8 and 9 or 7 and 8? You know, like, that can be easily, like, interchangeable, like that 7 or 8, or just confused, or just, you know, a a 7 can easily turn into an 8 depending on how many reps you're doing. So I always – I'm curious to hear what the viewers have to say, what the listeners have to say about it as well because, again, a lot of people educate my dumbass on um, a lot of our different topics, especially when it comes to programming and exercise science because I think it's well known that I'm not really uh, well-versed on that. But I just think if I had a decimal system, it would make a little bit more sense to me because in my percentage-based system – where I get my programming, uh, because PH3 is mostly percentage-based, there's, you know, percentages range from 1 to 10, kind of. So, like, this week, or during my uh, overreaching stage, I was doing 87.5%. I was doing 82.5%. I was doing 77.5%. Couldn't that be, like, 7.7 RPE, or 8.2 RPE, or 8.7 RPE, it's like, we're getting close to nine, but not really nine. So, I don't know. And I agree with Dawson. He had a really good, um, he, he had a pretty good explanation on that as well. But I think when we post it, you're going to have a lot of people say, it's interchangeable. It's pretty much the same thing. But I just want to know why someone use RPE as opposed to percentage-based training and vice versa. So, be on the lookout for that topic next week. Also, we're going to close out the show with a top, a segment we haven't done in a while, but and we also got one segment for you this week. Congratulations to the United States Women's National Soccer Team for winning the World Cup. I think it's like their fourth World Cup. Congratulations to them. Me, Bane, we're big soccer fans. But this isn't a segment unless I be a misogynist. So misogynists and trash talkers, I find men's soccer to be more entertaining than women's soccer. And I said this out loud at a gym. I said this out loud to my family, and I got a lot of backlash for it, and it's probably a dickish thing to say, but I just find men's soccer more entertaining, and I always have to, like, re-explain when I say that, so, one, I might as well just not even say it anymore, but it's misogynistic, and we have a whole segment on the show, misogynistic trash talkers, because we already have that label, so I might as well lean into it, but, I'm not disrespecting the sport that they play they're incredible athletes it's actually, it's quite the entertaining sport to watch uh, women's soccer the World Cup today between them and the Netherlands was a great game to watch it was fun it was fantastic certain games suck and certain men's soccer games suck but I think just the quality of play in men's soccer is far better very similar to basketball like the WNBA and the NBA it's like there's such a like Difference between the type of athletes at play to a point where it's not entertaining to watch female basketball players. Not saying that what they do is not amazing because I always have to do this. I have to like, always backtrack on my comments when I say stuff like this. But yeah, I, I think when people hear me say that or t- or uh, say that, I get the label immediately as misogynist, and it's not what I mean. I I respect the sport that they play. I'm just find certain sports to be more entertaining if men play them um not the case with every sport because i think female mixed martial arts softball women's hockey and tennis are pretty entertaining sports to watch and play and women do it pretty damn well to a point where it's close to the men so that's how we're gonna end the show with misogynistic trash talkers we have a great show for you next week We'll probably have that topic up. We're going to start getting more topics. We're going to keep on with the interviews. We're on a steady roll of interviews, so we're going to try to keep those going. Thank you for listening. We'll see you guys next week. Doses.